Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that focuses on topics related to English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. My name is Steve Sophronis, and I am proud to be the host of Highest Aspirations. This episode is part of our special Look for the Helper series. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood offered some relevant advice for navigating difficult times like these. He said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. The ELL community is full of helpers, and we are proud to amplify their voices as we face the reality of long-term school closures as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. We are committed to keeping you informed and inspired with resources to help you support your English learners. We are stronger together. So if you'd like to share your ideas, inspiration, or simply share your voice, our doors are always open. Just go to bit.ly slash ellhelper to learn more. That's bit.ly slash capital E, capital L, capital L, capital H, E-L-P-E-R. You'll find that link in our show notes as well. Kelly Altiger, thank you so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations, our Look for the Helper series. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I have to tell everybody kind of how we found out about the great work that you're doing uh, at Elba School District. Um, And that is that we had a podcast episode um, with Karen Gregory and Gretchen Oliver about online learning that was like really uh, relevant to the times. It was just when this whole thing started. And you had put a tweet out about how you were um, delivering food to students uh, at the beginning of this whole crisis. And they sort of said, hey, that would be a great thing for the Look for the Helper series. And that's how we found out about it, which I think is awesome. And you're actually in that program with them, that online learning program, right? Correct. Yeah, it's a great program, especially now that everybody's online. We're kind of ahead of the curve and that we've been doing this already. Absolutely. And that's what we talked about in that episode. And I'll link to that in the show notes just in case people want to go there. But for now, let's talk about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about where you work um, and what your role is aside from being in this um, online course. Sure. So I am a kindergarten through third grade um, ENL teacher. We say English as a new language in New York in a very small rural district um, in between Buffalo and Rochester. Um, It has about 400 students K through 12. So we're very small, but um, it covers quite a big geographic span because the main industry in our community is farming. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really happy to have you. Uh, We've talked to a lot of large districts who are experiencing, obviously, very significant challenges, but we really want to make sure that we're covering all sort of size of school districts because no matter who you are and where you are and how small, medium, or big you are, there's certain challenges that... um, that, that, that exist. And so I'd like to start with that. Like what, what are the main challenges, or I guess I would start with what were the main challenges that you were seeing when this whole thing started? How are they evolving and, and, and what are you doing about it? So our first priority um, in our district was making sure that students were fed. That's a, a, a big portion of our population depends on the free and reduced lunch program um, to access food. So that was our, our first priority. Um, a teacher out in Schenectady, his name's Joshua Conway, he had said that um, education precedes, or education comes after survival. Um, And I think that's what we're trying to focus on here. So um, we needed to come up with a plan very quickly. We didn't have a lot of time to waste. 
Um, a lot of districts are doing the grab and go, um, allowing parents to come and grab food from the school. But in our district, um, a lot of our parents, especially those of else, don't necessarily have the transportation um, required to do that. So we came together as a group of teachers, made a, a Google spreadsheet, um, time slots, and different days. And um, some people in the district mapped out um, routes and tallied total number of meals we're providing it not only to our students but also their siblings if they're um, younger than school age um, and we came together and we've been distributing meals um, across the district um, three days a week um, breakfasts and lunches that's amazing and this is just an, an initiative that you guys kind of took on you didn't really have uh, a plan in place to do this before it all started it just kind of came together right Absolutely. It was a lot of scrambling and um, required a lot of good communication among us colleagues, but um, it's it's been great not only for obviously getting food into students' hands, but also connecting with um, families very briefly, even if it's just at the door. And as, as a group of colleagues, just being able to come around something and feel a little bit less helpless. Yeah, you called it in that tweet. I think you called it a morale booster for you as well. Oh, I had a blast just connecting with people I haven't seen in a while and, um, you know, driving around and making jokes and it was a good time. Yeah, that's great. That's, and I'm seeing a lot of districts doing the same thing. And when this whole thing started, you know, that that's what everybody was focused on. And I think rightly so, like you cannot, and I don't know, uh, I, I can't, I don't remember who you said, I uh, gave you that quote, but education does come after we make those connections with people and make sure that they're they survive, right? That's, that's something we have to uh, deal with. And now that this is in place, um, and you said you're doing, still doing it three days a week. Yes. Yep. So what, what are you kind of planning for now? What's, what's on the horizon? What's the district thinking about? You have this in place. Um, it, it is, is now sort of uh, education and getting instruction to students a priority, or are you still kind of focusing on these basic needs? We're still focusing on those basic needs, but we're starting to brainstorm ideas, especially now with a lot of different states um, closing for the, the rest of the school year. Um, right, that's right. probably on the horizon for us, too. So um, we at the moment are um, trying to brainstorm ideas that are equitable uh, and that we have um, some portion of our population has access to devices and Internet. Well, a large portion does not, um, either because of socioeconomic um, inequalities or due to the fact that internet isn't even available in some rural parts of upstate New York. Um, so right now we're trying to create some learning menus that are optional at this point, but just to keep kids academically and cognitively engaged, um, sending those out either in mail for those who need it in paper or posting it on our website. And then we've talked, had discussions about after um, April vacation, um, starting uh, officially with new learning content. Um, how that's going to work, we're still trying to figure out um, whether it's Zoom for those who have access to things like that or phone calls for those who don't. Um, it's a work in progress. Yeah. And I really appreciate your sort of honesty there and, and, and um, you know, ability to, to, to talk about the equity issue because that's, that's really important. I guess, luckily, most of the people that I've spoken with, and again, it's mostly larger districts, are sort of one-to-one -one schools. They, you know, there are issues with devices and internet, but it seems spotty. You know, the, the percentages that I've heard from most folks that I've talked to is, you know, 80 to 85% of our students are all set with the, with the device and Wi-Fi, and we just have to deal with that 15%. But in rural um, uh, districts, like the one that you're in, those challenges become um, greater, you know, you, you're, you clearly laid out, you know, that you're going to have students who don't have access to devices and maybe not even Wi-Fi. And I think you speak for a lot of districts that are, that are 
um, that are confronting some of those same issues. So you talked about some mail, possibly um, putting some things in your website. And again, total work in progress. I'm not going to press you on it, but I just love it that you're thinking about lots of different contingency plans. We think about remote learning and online learning as a Zoom meeting and it's synchronous and everybody's together and they have all these tools, but it's time to really start to think outside the box. Yeah, that would be ideal, but it's just not the reality for a lot of us. So we have to, you know, stretch our creativity and become really innovative uh, in this crisis. Yeah, which it sounds like you're in a good position to do given what you've uh, already done. So, uh, you know, given your experience going around and sort of delivering food to folks and really making sure that people are taken care of um, from a compassion and from, a, like you said, a sort of a survival um, point of view, what what recommendations would you give to districts who are maybe still trying to figure out how to do that? And I'm sure there are a lot who still take, you know, take the academics aside, who still just aren't really sure how to make sure that their families and their students are taken care of. What's the what's the first step? What do you all do to kind of kick this thing off? My recommendation, of course, I'm a teacher, not an administrator. So but that's, you know, but that's just as important, if not more important, in my opinion. That's coming <laughs> from a former teacher, so I'm a little biased, but go ahead. <laughs> Um, would be one to get all your teachers on board and and to limit the amount of spaces where there are conversations going on. I found that very challenging when we first started this. There were like a million different email threads going. Some people were texting. Some people were making phone calls. So to try to document all the information um, that we were trying to share with each other was challenging. Um, a lot of people had great ideas, but we needed it in one place. Um, now that we kind of have that in place with um, Zoom meetings and, you know, downloading those transcripts and um, having one formal like meeting agenda in a Google Doc, um, things have been a, a little bit easier. I think as far as maintaining connection with family, it is crucial as teachers that we maintain a teacher presence because for a lot of students, school is their safe place. And to suddenly lose that and lose contact with the people that they love and trust the most sometimes it can be very scary. So doing whatever you can, whether it be phone calls, if you don't want you know, your cell phone out there, there's ways to work around that. I use talking points um, to communicate with families, uh, mm -hmm. which is a great app, um, but there's other options too, like Remind, um, for example. So it, I think even if it's you know not a consistent every day, I'm sending you a text, if you can send out something just to show that you're there, whether it be a little video clip or something like that, um, I think that, will do wonders for students to feel connected and valued and seen still, even though we're not face-to-face. -face. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would sort of um, bring up two pieces of what you just said, because I think everything you said is, is very important, but you, you, you started by talking about how you need to streamline, right? How everybody has good intentions, but there's conversations going on in a million different places. And if I'm right here, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the process that you seem to be using is you're using Zoom now to connect <laughs> with people and to meet with folks. You mentioned transcript. You're getting that from Zoom, the, the Zoom transcript that, that it has? Yeah, whoever organizes the meeting has that capacity, one, to send out the recording afterward, but along with that, they can send the transcript of the chat section. So if people are dumping resources or ideas in there, it can still be saved even after you leave the meeting. Yeah, and there's also a way to transcribe an actual audio Zoom meeting that they have in there. And I think it's in the setting somewhere, but just, just to let folks know that that exists and that's crucially important because you, it's just nice to have those notes and have it automated. Now, it's not perfect because it's, you know, it's AI, but it works and it gets the job done for a situation like that. So Zoom is your place to have communication. You use a Google Doc to make sure that your agendas are all in one place. And that's kind of the, the process. And now you have a streamlined situation where the expectations are 
um, or that people sort of, you know, talk there and produce information there and get information and add to it there. Um, which is, I think, like a great place to start. And, you know, thinking about you, you all learned, like you had a bunch of different things happening um, and you said, all right, let's streamline this. So that's good advice for any district who might be a little bit behind at this point trying to get that organized. So that's from like an administrative kind of a, a higher level point of view. But then you mentioned a couple of tools that I think are really key as just a, not just, as a teacher who wants to reach out to parents a quick phone call, right? Making sure that you're there. If you can create a video, you mentioned tools like talking points. And I'll say, we spoke to the CEO of talking points probably two years ago on the podcast, TJ Lim. She's wonderful. I'll link to that one as well. But that's a great, great resource to kind of keep in touch with families. Um, you mentioned remind us like remind 101, right? Isn't that what it's called? Or is it just remind? I'm not positive on that one, but I know anyway. it also offers a translation tool. Right. So those tools, like leveraging those tools to communicate, because as you said, it's just so important to keep in touch with with uh, students and their parents. Um, you know, a lot of people have said, I think it may have been uh, Karen or Gretchen from the podcast I mentioned before, who said, um, in many situations, the EL, ENL, in your case, a New York teacher, is um, is the anchor. And so that's their safe place, as you mentioned. So keeping in touch there um, is great. So all those things are there are awesome. And we'll make sure that we that we link to those tools as well. Great. So it sounds like you guys are in a pretty good place despite all of what's happening. I'm going to ask you one more question that I've kind of been asking everyone. And that is, you know, fast forward six months, a year from now, what do you, when hopefully all this thing is behind us, what do you think is one thing that you've learned from this or your district has learned from this that you'll continue to use or improve on moving forward when things are kind of back to normal, quote unquote? I hope that we don't lose um, this creativity. I feel like when we are in the classroom, um, it's much easier to fall into this strict routine and pattern. And, and don't get me wrong, routines are important, especially for students from trauma backgrounds. But I'm saying routines and like, this is how I teach. This is what my assessment looks like, you know. Um, I hope we don't fall back into that because what we're seeing from students now when we give them one student choice in like learning menus, for example, um, and also letting them choose a product that they want to produce, we are seeing amazing things come out of students. And that's because we first, um, as teachers, were, had to be, were forced by the situation to be more creative in how we um, deliver instruction and how um, what we assess students and um, you know what that looks like. Um, so I really hope that as we transfer back hopefully um, at the start of next school year that um, teachers maintain this creativity and innovation and are um, actively learning new technology tools in the event that this ever happens again or even integrating it just into their normal classroom instruction. Yeah, I certainly couldn't say that any better myself. So go back 30 seconds or a minute, listen to that again, because I think that's really beautifully uh, said. And uh, I'm always looking for silver linings here. So um, I think that's probably a great place to end this conversation. But Kelly, thank you so much for not only um, joining us and telling your story, but um, everything that you're doing for uh, your students in, in, in a rural community. I'm sure there are others listening that are learning from you. Um, and so really appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community. 
where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.